The following sermon is by Dan Thomas, pastor and teacher at Community Church in Edwardsburg, Michigan. If you've never visited us at Community Church, we invite you to join us at 28647 US 12 West in Edwardsburg. And now, here is Pastor Dan Thomas. Well, welcome, uh, Community Live, August the 2nd. Now, I wanted to tell you one thing. Before we get into our continued look at Paul's visit to Ephesus there in the book of Acts, chapters 19 and 20, before we get into that, just wanted to mention, and I'll tell you why I need to explain this to you in a second, I am, or we are right now recording this on the 23rd of July. Now, I want to tell you that for two reasons. One is, as quickly as this world is changing, if you just heard me and you thought, Man, does this guy not even know what's going on? Who knows what will happen in the next 10 days? And uh, it might be like, is he oblivious? Has he been living in a bubble? Yes, I have. I've been in a total bubble for these 10 days. So uh, if it seems like I don't know what's going on in the world, that might be why. This is recorded on the 23rd. And then also, I wanted to mention, because of that, we don't really have uh, a specific plan yet for next week, or we don't know exactly what we'll do as far as in-service meetings, whether we will be outside again or whether we will be back here in the auditorium so keep your ears open let's uh, look for emails and Facebook announcements about that uh, coming out this Monday or actually probably Tuesday or Wednesday uh, that'll come out so but regardless no matter what where we are in person we will continue to be live now if we're back in here in person then you'll get to watch the worship time and everything else otherwise you just get to see moi okay ready here we go. Uh, we are going to talk about the idea, as we've been going through the book of Acts, um, Paul often stopped and he reasoned with people. And I want you to start with just the idea in our heads and remember that our faith in Jesus Christ, our faith, Christianity in general, is reasonable. It is a faith, but it is a reasonable, it is a logical faith. Okay, keep that in mind. Christianity is for thinkers. We came across that back when we looked at the church of Berea. Uh, we are not asked to be brain dead or follow without thinking. We are asked to use the brains that God has given to us, and Christianity can stand up to our questions, and Christianity is for people to think okay now keep that in mind as we look at Paul's ministry in Ephesus now last week we looked at the story of this uh, sons of Sceva and their attempt to cast out a demon in their own power didn't work out very well there's two other stories from Paul's visit to Ephesus one of them is labeled the riot in Ephesus and then there's another quick little story I want to look at from chapter 20 about a fellow who falls asleep while Paul's preaching but what I'd like to do is tell you both of those stories uh, and then come back and make some ob observations. So we're going to hit, first of all, the story that is labeled the riot in Ephesus. And I want to go ahead and read it to you. It's like 20 verses. So ready? Focus. Are you ready? You can do this. Uh, all right. So we're going to begin in verse number 21 of chapter 19. And uh, it says, now, after these events, the events were... After, remember, the sons of Sceva and the whole incident there, fear fell upon the people. There was a revival. People were getting real about their faith in Jesus Christ. Good things were happening. When good things happen in the church, opposition arises. Here we go. Now, after these events, Paul resolved uh, in the spirit to pass through Macedonia and Achaia and to go to Jerusalem, saying, after I have been there, I must also see Rome. That was his plans. And having sent into Macedonia two of his helpers, Timothy and Erastus, he himself stayed in Asia for a while. About that time, 
there arose no little disturbance concerning the way. I like the way the Bible always says it. It doesn't say there was a big fight. It says there was no little disturbance uh, concerning the way. Remember, the way is the Christians. That's what they were called then, people of the way. So they're fighting a little bit. Something has happened as far as their faith, as far as their message of the gospel. Something's going on. What is it? Well, for a man named Demetrius, a silversmith, who made silver shrines to Artemis, also called Diana, depending on Greek or Roman there, brought no little business, that phrase again, to the craftsmen. Okay, so this guy's a silversmith. They made big bucks making idols, but something's going on that's going to mess up their business. And uh, these he granted to uh, gather together with the workmen. He got all the silversmiths together and said, Men, you know that from this business we have our wealth. And you see in here not only that in, in Ephesus, but also in all of Asia, that this Paul has persuaded and turned away a great many people, saying that gods made with hands are not gods. Does he ha even have the nerve to say something like that? You know, one of the big problems with idols, <laughs> weird statement, just sounded funny coming out of my mouth. But one of the big things, you know, that I idols, and the reason why we don't have idols, and you don't see them around here, a statue to God or anything like that, is because there is nothing made with human hands that can do justice to God. Okay, you got that? Everything is going to come up short. So, an, so we have no idols to God, and they're saying, hey, a God that is created by man really isn't a God at all. And uh, Demetrius is a little ticked off about this. Why? Because uh, he's losing money. And there's a danger not only that this trade of ours may come to di disrepute, okay? We're going to lose money, his first concern. But also that the temple of the great goddess Artemis may be counted as nothing, Okay? And uh, that she may even be disposed from her magnificence, she whom all of Asia and all the world worship. When they heard that, they were enraged and were crying out, Great is Artemis of the Ephesians. Let me stop for a second here. Uh, he says, first of all, we're losing money. But secondly, our goddess, we must stand up for her. You kind of see, first concern, money. Second concern, this is a big deal. Understand, and I am glad about this, our job is to represent God. Our God is, I'm sorry, our job is never to defend him. He does not need defended. There's a cool story in the book of Samuel, 1 Samuel chapter 5, about a time when the ark of God is left alone in the temple of Dagon. I don't know if any of you remember this story. Chapter 5, it's a cool read. And uh, they, they come in the next day and they find that this, the statue of Dagon has fallen over, bowed down before the ark. So they prop it back up. And then they come in the next day, down again. So they prop it back up. Here's the message. We don't really need to prop up our God. He's got it. Okay, we don't really need to defend him. Uh, all we need to do is proclaim him. Okay, let's go on. That's a little side bit there. No extra charge. So the city was filled with confusion. And where's it going to come up again there? And they rushed together into the theater, dragging. By the way, this theater sat about 24,000, 25,000, just so you kind of get the picture. Uh, you can still find the ruins today. Uh, and uh, not, actually, not that ruined. You could still find the remnants of it and, and figure out what it looked like there. Anyway, dragging them uh, with Gaius and Aristarchus, Macedonians, uh, who were Paul's companions in travel. But when Paul wished to go uh, in among the crowd, the disciples would not let him. Uh, Paul, uh, no. Death comes to you. Anyway, and even some of the... Uh, Assyriarchs, man, did I reread that, pre-read that word? I don't know what that word is. Anyway, uh, who were friends of his sent to him and were urging him not to venture into the theater. Now, some cried out one thing, some another, for the assembly was in confusion. And most of them did not know why they had come together. Isn't that hilarious? The rioters didn't know why they were there. I'll let you 
make your own application. But some of the crowd prompted Alexander, whom the Jews had put forward. And Alexander, motioning with his hands, wanted to make defense to the crowd. But when they recognized that he was a Jew, for about two hours they all cried out with one voice, Great is Artemis of the Ephesians! Okay, so this guy wants to talk. What do they do? They shout him down. Great is Artemis of the Ephesians! However, when the town clerk had quieted the crowd, he said, Men of Ephesus, who is there who does not know that the city of the Ephesians uh, is temp temple people of the great Artemis and of all the sacred stones that fell from the sky? He says, Guys, you're overreacting. <laughs> we don't really need to defend. Everybody knows that Ephesus is still about Artemis. Everybody knows who this is. You're kind of overreacting. So the voice of reason comes in here. Seeing then that these things cannot be denied, you ought to be quiet. Do nothing rash. For you have brought these men here who are neither sacrilegious nor blasphemers of our goddess. In other words, guys, you need to take a little chill pill. If therefore Demetrius and the craftsmen with whom you have a complaint against another of the courts are opened in their proconsul, let them bring these charges against one another. But if you seek anything further, it shall be settled in a regular assembly. He says, calm down. The voice of reason comes to it. Okay, so do you get the picture? The silversmiths start this little riot going, get the crowd all around. They don't even know what they're arguing about, but they're, uh, what they're mad about, what they're mad. They're yelling down. The voice of reason is shouted down over and over again. The witness of Jesus is shouted down. Finally, this guy gets to speak a calming word into it. Uh, they put things together. They calm down. Things are okay. Okay, that's our first story, the riot in Ephesus. The second story over in chapter 20, I just want to show you one verse from it. Cracks me up. Uh, for we really, oh, that was the last verse from the last thing. Here you go. A young man, verse number nine, named Eutychus. Okay, Paul is preaching here. Uh, he's preaching in a building, I believe he's in the third story there, and, and uh, sitting at the window, this guy was, he sank into a deep sleep as Paul talked still longer. Now, you have to read the context there. He's been preaching and preaching and preaching. It is now uh, midnight. And being overcome by sleep, he fell down from the third story and was taken up dead. Now, why I'm laughing about that, I have no idea. Now, the story ends well. Uh, Paul comes down and heals him, and, and he's back, and he's okay. But I just, this is always cracks me up because the whole subject of sleeping in church, to me, I find humorous. Um, I am not a sleeper. I, I don't think I've fallen in sl to, to, at sleep. Now, I'm a phaser-outer, but I am not a sleeper, okay? I don't think I've fallen asleep since my college days, and then I was a drooler. Okay, which is a really bad type of church sleeper because, you know, people all around you hear this right in the middle when, you're, when you realize it's running down your face and, and uh, then you look up and everybody's staring at you. Not a good thing to have happen. And I actually, it used to really bug me when people fall asleep and I'd be like, yeah, I got to do something to wake them up, you know. So I'd talk real loud or run right to stand right beside them preaching, something like that. Uh, and you know, I, I've just decided that doesn't do any good because if they're that tired, they're not going to listen anyway. They're going to be fighting to stay awake and not know what I'm saying. So from now on, I'm going to have blankets. And when you fall asleep, I'm just going to walk back and cover you up and say, sleep well, a little thing like that. I'm not going to fight it anymore. This story, though, just cracks me up that this guy, Paul's preaching now. Uh, if you continue with the story, once they get back together, Paul's already preached for hours until midnight. Now he's going to preach until dawn. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so he just keeps preaching over and over and over again. Okay, I'm sorry. So now, as I looked at these two stories, I didn't want to skip them because I love them. I love this, this story about this guy falling asleep. You know, the, the ride story is kind of interesting too. I didn't want to skip them. But at the same time, I was like, okay, so what's the sermon for us? I could preach against rioting, but 
I'm just going to go on a hunch here that none of you have any plans to ride or any riding in your recent background. Nobody listening to me, uh, whether they don't listen to me in person on Sunday or listening now. I'm just going to go out there on a limb and suggest that no rioters are listening. So it wouldn't be real practical for me to preach a strong sermon against rioting. I, I just don't think I will. Um, and so, so what, you know, that wouldn't make sense. So I analyze my calling a little bit and think, okay, what is, what is that God wants me to do? God wants me to share the Word of God, teach His truth in a way that can help the people I'm talking to. So that's what I started to think about. Okay, what are some lessons from these two little stories? What do I see in here? God, what do you want me to share that could be helpful to people? And as I did that, the thing that came to mind that I saw is, a kind of a common thread I found three things in there that cloud people's thinking okay three things that get us thinking the wrong way that mess it up remember the Christian faith is reasonable it makes sense but when people get sidetracked when people get confused when people get their thinking scrambled they're gonna move away from the Christian faith so what are three things in here that I saw that I want to share with you and I just want us to take a look into our own lives and see if these might be part of our lives three things that can cloud our thinking or make us become dumb now or stupid um, forgive my language I know some families are not allowed to say those words I could say foolish that's a, actually a stronger word I'll try to remember to say that what can get us behaving foolishly okay the first thing the clouds are thinking are you ready keeps us from being reasonable and rational that I saw in this story the first thing is the almighty dollar money 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 I mentioned in one of the midweek momentums a while ago I saw a bumper sticker recently that said if money is the root of evil then why are churches always asking for it Okay, but that was a little nasty. It is also incorrect. The Bible does not say that money is the root of evil. It says, finish it for me, the love of money is the root of all evil. But you know, there are many times when, what's the expression? You can follow the money. Follow the money. You know, if you want to figure out what's happening, you follow the money. Look at this story about uh, the silversmiths. It, it, it cracks me up when they throw in there, and hey, we have to defend our God. Uh, it's kind of like, <laughs> first of all, we're losing stinking money. Uh, we saw that back in when Paul was at Philippi, too. Do you remember he cast the demon out of the lady that told the fortunes, and the people that were making money off of her were mad? That's how Paul and Silas ended up in jail. People like money, okay? And, uh, and so often, because of our love of money, we got problems. But a lot of times, and, and this is sad, but if you follow church problems, many times, I would even say most of the time, there's money involved. They're tied to money. F fighting in the church. Uh, corruption in the church uh, marriages we've talked about that before number one they, they say that is the number one cause of problems in marriage is money uh, of course in the in the workplace that is going to be, be something we love money money is that idol money is that God of this world that people are after so I would encourage you just to look at your own life and say hey where are some places where money is clouding my thinking my love of money I should say is clouding my thinking this is kind of weird. I don't usually do this, but I want you, <laughs> you're going to have to come up with your own illustration there. You know, usually when I talk about a problem that we have in the Christian life, I've got tons of examples of how there's been a problem in my life. You know, I could just, <laughs> that's real easy. That just flows. Hey, I got problems. I've done this, this, and this to help you connect. This is, this is weird. Uh, I don't know if this sounds like bragging or not, but honestly, I tried. I didn't ask my wife. Maybe I should have. I, I tried to think of some places where I've done stupid things because of because of money or because of my love of money 
And I honestly didn't come up with many. I, I'm, I'm sorry if that sounds boastful, but I got thinking about that. Long time ago, there's a couple of rules that I adopted that, that somebody taught me. One of them was that um, I never loan money that I can't give. And the second one was, just take it as a rule, don't fight about money. Don't fight with somebody about money. This isn't worth fighting about. I won't do it. And I can't say I've done that perfectly, but I think I've done that pretty well. And the truth of the matter is, I had a hard time looking and saying, where have I? So I have to ask you to come up with your own illustration. I, I want to ask you to consider, are there some places where you could look and say, hey, my love of money has made me make some pretty dumb decisions here or could be making uh, or leading me down the wrong path. And I want to evaluate that. And I also want to encourage you to consider some rules in your life about money because it is a temptation. It is a draw. It is the God of this world. It is the number one idol that people go after. So therefore, take, take a look at that and say, hey, where could money, like the silversmiths who are going crazy and leading a riot, why money? One reason, follow the money. Okay, now second thing that can cloud thinking is anger. Okay, a second thing uh, that definitely can get us messed up. Uh, the crowd was angry and confused. They're yelling, they're shouting down. They're not listening to reason, they're shouting. Greatest Artemis of the Ephesians, let's shout them down. Now, um, I'm much more comfortable talking about this point because I got plenty of illustrations of me messing up, <laughs> okay? I can give you, a, give you a lot. You know, one of them, again, I did one of these in midweek momentum, but uh, a number of weeks ago when I was shopping, uh, I was looking for uh, a drill bit and, uh, that, that I thought I needed for screws. I bought the screws. I needed a certain kind of drill bit. So I'm standing in the, uh, in the aisle looking at these different drill bits. I don't have my glasses. So I can barely see the end of these things. And I kept going through and kind of uh, getting the drill bits. I finally found the right one, I thought. But there was 12 of them in there. And I thought, I don't want to buy 12 stinking bits. I probably only need one. Uh, so uh, so I got to check and make sure it's the right one. So I opened up the little thing. I took the drill bit out. I matched it up, put it back in there, went through. Walked around the store for a while shopping. When I went to pay and I went to check out, a man walks up to me as I come to the end of the gas register, and he says, sir, you're going to have to put back what you took. And at first, I thought it was kind of funny, uh, you know, because I thought, yeah, no, I didn't take anything. But he just kept insisting. And he said, I saw you take something. And I said, no, you didn't. Now, at this point, my self-righteousness is kicking in. My anger is kicking in, and I am becoming more and more irrational. I'm not thinking clearly because of my anger. Because as I look back on it now, you know, here's this guy standing at his aisle forever, and, you know, and he is opening containers and, and, uh, and everything like that. And, uh, and apparently what he did is he came down and he went to this row and he found an empty drill bit thing. It wasn't what I was after at all, but he must have found that and thought this is what that guy took. What he was doing actually made sense. Okay, and I could have been a whole lot nicer about it, but I wasn't particularly nice about it. I had to apologize to him later uh, because I wasn't very nice about the whole, whole thing because, again, it hit the self-righteous thing. It got me angry, and the more I got angry, the more he got angry, and the more I got angry. You, you know what I mean? That's how it goes. I mean, it, anger just escalates. You get yelling and, and back and forth. Whoever wins an argument. Honestly, you say my wife. Yeah, but uh, I, understand, I understand, but she doesn't win in the shouting match. It's just you're the one who has to come back and apologize later, and usually because you're wrong. At least that's how it works in my family. Uh, but you never win a shouting match. You just don't. One person gets louder, one the other. It doesn't. You don't. It just, honestly, as you, as you think about that, what happens, what ends up happening is it's clouding my thinking. 
Okay, I am angry. Here is this crowd. It says twice they are confused. They don't even know what's going on, but they're yelling. Okay, and their thinking is clouded, and they're acting stupid. They're acting foolish uh, because of their anger, and they've been stirred into this frenzy. They're they're mad, and therefore the other they're out of control. Now, let let, let me first of all say this. Um, <laughs> In, no, no, let, let, let's, let's go this direction. What they were doing here is they were shouting down the gospel, okay? They were shouting down the gospel. They were angry. They wouldn't hear the truth because they, they would shout it down. They begin shouting, and then the next guy start talking, they begin shouting again, okay? Again, they, they don't want to hear the truth. Uh, they want to express their anger instead. Does that happen in our world today? Are there places where the gospel, so to speak, is shouted down, okay? Does that happen? ever happen in a schoolroom? No, you can't say that here. Does that ever happen in the marketplace? No, you can't say, you can't say Merry Christmas. We say Happy Holidays here. Um, does uh, that ever happen in the workplace? Does it happen maybe even in our family where the gospel is, is um, you know, it's like there, there's this pressure to keep silent. Let, let me, <laughs> I was, uh, just for bed last night, I got on Facebook for a second, and one of my friends, lady, decided to post something. And as I read it, I thought, oh, honey, don't go there. Uh, she brought up a controversial subject. I will let remain nameless, but she brought it up there, and she put her opinion out there. You know, and, of course, she put in there, I'm not trying to offend anybody, but here's what I think. Bad move. And uh, I said, oh, no, here we go. And I couldn't even go to bed for a little bit. I had to stay there and watch the other comments start coming in. And I think by the time I went to bed, there was about uh, 12 different comments, different people. She is not from our church, but she's from a church that I'm familiar with. And uh, different people from her church chiming in, and, and it began to escalate. It never got what I would say nasty, but you could tell it got testy. No, here's my thought. No, here's my thought. No, here's my thought. No, here's my thought. And I thought, oh, well, I got to go to bed. Got up this morning, and I was, again, everybody's morbid curiosity. I wonder how the fight went. Uh, so I, w I turned on Facebook again. The first post I saw was her apology post saying, I am so sorry I brought that up last night. But we live in a day right now where we have to be very, I don't know if we have to, but probably it is wise in most situations. I'll let you decide that. I'm not talking about that right now. But you have to be aware that people are going to be offended a lot. Okay, agreed? <laughs> uh, but, uh, I mean, there is a lot of different reasons to be offended right now, and therefore we're, we're, kind of, we're afraid to offend, and therefore sometimes we're silent. Now, there may be areas where we should be silent, but I want you to think about that idea that you get afraid to offend, afraid you're going to rub some of the wrong way. Because if you remember right, as we have gone through this story of the spread of the gospel, the gospel by many is received, it is accepted, and it is believed. And by many, they are just plain offended by it. The gospel message is going to offend people. Okay, if we could keep that in our mind. So we don't want to become so much in the habit of not saying what will offend somebody. You say, yeah, but what if you offend them with the gospel? What's the alternative? You don't tell them that God loves them? You don't tell them uh, that God has sent his son to die on the cross to save them? What, what's the alternative? And we want to make sure that we do not allow those angry voices to shout us down and keep us from sharing that which we should, that we should share, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, at the same time, we also want to make sure that we don't follow the example of the crowd here and in our anger lose our ability to think clearly. Okay, a third thing goes to our story of Eutychus falling asleep. You say, well, how is that? Well, 
As you read through that whole story, I mentioned that Paul preached for several hours. And then uh, after the whole incident, he preached more. He preached till dawn. And I just got thinking about the whole idea of the approach that we have sometime to preaching. You see, the third thing that can make us act dumb is just simply ignorance. Okay, uh, when we have just decided that we don't want to know something, we do not want to hear something, or we don't know something uh, for whatever reason. And I wanted to talk to you and see in this the importance of preaching. Remember back uh, last week I mentioned this again, that as we look at the different stories in Acts, we have to decide if they are descriptive, God's just telling us what happened, or prescriptive, this is something we ought to follow. Well, I really believe, as I have looked at it in studied Scripture, that preaching is something that is to be followed. The preaching of the Word of God is God's plan. God continues to call people to preach. Uh, preaching is still needed in people's lives as people need encouragement, as people need uh, confrontation, as people need rebuked, as people need directed, as people need comfort. Um, there's... Um, Sorry, I'm having a hard time reading my notes for a second. But in the day that we live now, where the storm is brewing, okay? The storm brewing? Wrong word. The storm is raging, okay? And, uh, and things are tough. We are watching many people's faith is wavering, just plain and simple. Now, we talked last week, is it real faith? Is it fake faith? I, I don't know, but, but I do know that in a lot of cases, there's just a wavering. And to be very frank with you, I think one of the conclusions that we must draw is that many people are not well enough grounded in the truth of the Word of God. Our Bible knowledge stinks. Okay? And I think moving forward, one of the things the church has to say is, hey, we've got to step up our game. We've got to step up our game as far as edu educating people in the truth of God's Word. And one of the things, you know, again, well, it's kind of self-serving, telling how important preaching is. Listen, sometimes God actually speaks through me. God, sometimes God will use my words, and somebody will share with me that, hey, that really helped me. Sometimes God just speaks right around me when I'm preaching. Somebody will come up and say, I am so glad you said this. And I think, I didn't even say that. Uh, but I'm glad you heard that. But God does use preach the preaching and the teaching of the Word of God in people's lives. And this is something that I think, uh, you know, we want to step up our game as being a priority, as making sure this is something we're doing uh, going forward. I hope you'll look and say, hey, where is my thinking clouded by money or my love of money? I hope you'll look and say, hey, where is my thinking clouded by anger? Where have I done just some stupid things and maybe I'm doing something stupid right now because of my anger? And uh, I'll, I'll preach mainly to the boys in that category because we, with our pride, we seem to have a little bit more trouble in that area. Not exclusively, but oftentimes as men. But I hope, too, you'll look at this whole idea that sometimes we have just decided, we've chosen ignorance. And the reason why our thinking is, we don't, we don't have that, the core truth as part of our, our mindset, as part of our, our brain, as part of our lives. We don't know the Word of God. Um. I mentioned before, you know, as of today when I'm talking, as of July, I wrote on here, November 23rd. It's not November 23rd. Uh, as of July 23rd, I, um, I'm really hopeful that as things move forward into the fall, that once again we'll be able to offer more Bible studies, small groups, uh, Bible studies, get the children's ministry and the teaching going again. I, I'm really hopeful of those things. I, I don't know exactly, but... I do know this, 
our kids, our families need to be being taught the Word of God. And I, I just want to encourage you, regardless of what goes forward, let us not rely completely on the church and the time that is spent at church to be the time when people are learning the truths of God's Word. There are so many resources at our disposal right now. Uh, right now, media is, is one of the good, one, good ones that, that can help us. Uh, resources that Marissa has been putting online that can help us with our kids. Let us be teaching the Word of God. You know, why can't people think straight? Sometimes they're ticked. Sometimes they got their focus on the idols of this world, especially money. Sometimes they just don't really have the, the core knowledge. They, they don't have that. I mean, if you really just think about this with me for, for a moment, I mean, how much dedication, how much devotion do we have to improving our knowledge of God and His Word? The book of Acts, this is something came over and over again. Remember, Paul, he'd travel around and, and he'd share the gospel. And, hey, I want to go back there. I want to teach them some more. And you find him just teaching all the time. Read through chapter 20. I just, we just read one verse from it. But several places in there about he's talking and he's teaching the believers or he's teaching the elders. He's teaching over and over again. We need the knowledge of God's word. We need it in our life. And remember, when the message of God, when God's word is preached, there are different responses. Some will believe and some will reject. And this happens over and over again throughout Scripture. My question for you today is, where are you? Where are you? Is God working right now in your life to bring you to the truth? Okay, is God right now showing you the need that you have for Jesus Christ as Savior? Is God right now helping you to look in the mirror and see your need of Him, your need of a, a real relationship with Him, uh, your thinking that is scrambled because of your anger, because of the idols in your life, the other things that you're focused on, uh, because just plain you really haven't you know, plugged into this idea of growth in His Word. May I challenge you, may I encourage you in that way. Storm's blowing. Storm's blowing. If we're having a hard time standing, I think a lot of times it's because we're not anchored in the truth. Real fast, I also shared this in the midweek momentum, but coming back to my mind actually just right now, I was thinking about this. This has been one of the greatest things. For, uh, I was talking to a friend this morning at breakfast, and he said, you know, how are you doing? And I said, well, to be honest with you, I said, I still ride the roller coaster. I said, I got some good days when I'm trusting the Lord and doing well, and I got some bad days when I'm focusing on the storm and I'm down here. And he said, well, what's helping you stay? And I said, I got, I got an incredible job <laughs> my job requires me to look at the word of god and try to find truths that people need and that's what brings me back is when i look in the word of god and find those truths you need to be doing the same thing okay we need to be doing this the same thing father in heaven um this is one of those where you know i i think god i really believe you know, sought you on you know what direction to even take the application if you want lord i didn't know and I believe this is where you had us go. So, Lord, would you just convict that heart with the message that you have for them this day, I pray in your name. Amen. You've been listening to Pastor Dan Thomas of Community Church in Edwardsburg. For more information about the church, you can visit our website, edwardsburg.church. You may also contact the church via email, info at edwardsburg.church, or call us at 269 663 2648. Thank you for listening.